Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation, and, and this is a long time coming, but being in conversation with the founder and hospitality director of Church. Uh, they are the owner consultant of Drinkable Genius. Please welcome Chelsea Gregoire. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. 100%. 100%. Thank you for coming on. And um, I, I want to start off with, it's a mixed bag topic, I think, where some people like talking about themselves and other people like, I refuse. I'll talk about someone else before I talk about myself. So <laughs> I, before we get too deep into the conversation, I, I want you to share share your story. Um, and ultimately, what interested you in hospitality in, the, in this industry? Sure. Well, I can tell you, I'm definitely in the camp where I avoid talking about myself at all costs. Um, when we were training the staff for church, um, I was like, I'm going to do this once and you won't hear it happen again. Um, so um, I'm, I am very familiar, but I've gotten uh, pretty okay with it. Um, so I'm born and raised in Baltimore. Um, I about uh, at the end of elementary school, though, I was I grew up in a military family. We moved to Annapolis um, and uh, that's where I went to high school. And then uh, once I finished school, which uh, many people know, but not everyone knows, I went to Liberty University, which is the Jerry Falwell School. It's been in the news a lot recently, which is so fun. Um, and um, I went there for both my bachelor's and my master's because um, I got a full ride for my uh, master's degree. And uh, once I was done with school, um, I spent some time in Richmond, Virginia, but then realized pretty quickly that I was meant to come home and uh, meant to rededicate uh, my time to Baltimore because I love it here. Um, and so then um, shortly thereafter, I got kind of kicked out of everything that was uh, in process for me because of my queerness. And um, so I, you know, was up for a professorship and I was uh, getting into ministry. And when that happened, you know, my life uh, obviously changed, but it took a different trajectory. And this also answers your hospitality question through that whole uh, process and through school, I was, you know, I was a barista, I was working in hospitality. It really loved um, the idea of caring for people and like building those special connections that you do. And I, it was kind of in that moment that I was like, I think I can build stronger, more authentic community um, in a restaurant or bar than I can in a church. And mm -hmm. that's also kind of how church came to be. And then, so it's been about, a decade in the making and really just um, just figuring out a way to use my skills and to use the things that I'm passionate about to make other people feel welcome. So. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's a inaccessibility kind of thing with it and, and kind of taking that approach of, oh, yeah, meeting people where they're at. This is a, a, a place where you don't have some of the, I think, uh, church, for instance, you don't have some of the rigors perhaps around, I don't really feel this way about religion. Or I don't want to talk about this. I feel like I'm being judged X, Y, and Z. But right. being able to go to a place where, you know, just it, it flows, the conversation mm -hmm. can flow, a, a bar, right. a hospital place those types of conversations can flow. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's been really cool to see people's response to it 
And I think that my approach to hospitality has been something that, you know, started long before church um, in Baltimore. People have seen me open a number of establishments under Drinkable Genius, um, which is my consultancy that's now in its seventh year of existing. Um, and in that time, in one way or another, I participated in about 18 different restaurant openings. And people like seeing my interaction with their program and with their guests and like creating these very specialized programs and very specific means of like providing hospitality for different clientele. They kind of saw what, uh, like in what ways I really care about making those experiences great. Um, and I was fortunate to win a couple awards for that. And, um, it's just been really overwhelming to see people's response to um, to how I kind of want to shake things up in our industry. I, I like disruption. I like innovation. I like when things are shaken up or, or stirred or whatever the nomenclature would be in terms of bars and blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> so in talking about experiences, this has been something that's really been on my mind recently and in going to conventions and just, you know, just conversations that have been around just in this loop. And, you know, people talk about when you you have a brand for better or for worse, you know, what are you trying to create in terms of the experience? Who is the persona? Who do you want to see at that at, at these places? Um, I was uh, going through one of these audio books that I am listening to and it's talking about who is your uh, persona that's listening to your podcast and do an image search on them. And right. I was like, probably someone with a magnifying glass, someone that's curious. That was the only way I could really put it. So for 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 you, and, and maybe this is this is like a little too on the nose, but who would you say that should be coming to church who who would be really interested in the work that you're doing in terms of hospitality, in terms of, you know, providing this sort of community related uh, work? Yeah. I mean, that's really tough. I, I don't typically, maybe this is like what makes me different as a hospitality consultant, but I don't really ascribe to that idea of like target audience or like key demographics then which every business plan asks you to put in there. Right. And yeah. Um, I often find that people box themselves in. And I think that it was more esoteric for me when I was thinking about it. I I wanted to create a space where anyone who's ever felt shut out from something mm. could feel comfortable. And so I don't even really know what that Google search would look like, but <laughs> know for a fact that, you know, allowing that to dictate how we talk about church and to dictate, um, you know, how we carry ourselves, how we write menus, how we have designed the space. It really attracted, um, you know, first and foremost, our staff um, all sharing those experiences. Um, And I think it was like our second day of training. We talked about creating experiences for people who um, have not felt welcome in other spaces. And it was like a two hour open conversation of people talking about their experiences with it. And multiple people since we've opened have just been overwhelmed by how welcoming and kind everyone is here. And so the idea of like kindness being a part of hospitality, that genuine kindness, I think speaks to the fact that it's really just for people who want to feel like they belong somewhere um, and that they've been thought of. So that's, that's wonderful. And 
I've I've had a few more conversations with folks in the the hospitality industry, and hearing that is the the through point. Um, I I did an interview a, a little a little while ago with Juan Webster and um, from Sagamore, and he was talking about that this this idea of people coming here for staycations. You know, it's like they're not really leaving their home, you know, that their their city or what have you. They're they're coming here, so we should make them feel welcome. We should be nice to. We should treat them in a way that they feel like they're taken care of. And I think over the last like three years, if we're being really honest, that that's become so much more evident that just be kinder to people, be nicer to people, because these are the people that, to use the church parlance, I suppose, these are the evangelists for your brand and for your business, so what have you, and for that that sort of community. Right. I think that there's also, you know, to your point about the past few years, um, a lot of conversations I've had with people that before those three years were regulars of mine. And now, um, you know, now they're coming back and they're seeing me again at church for the first time in a couple of years. And they're, um, the general consensus is we all had time to ourselves to mm -hmm. really understand what we need and what we want and um, what we want our relationships to look like and, you know, how we want to really spend our time. And I think everybody's done that to one degree or another. Yeah. And that also comes with, for better or for worse, like the expectation when we are experiencing something, you know, there's there's not necessarily a higher expectation every time, but there's a specific expectation. And it's really like, I'm out, I'm out of my house. And this isn't something I've gotten to do a lot over the past couple of years. And I want to just, I want to feel safe and I want to feel welcome. And I just want like, I want something good for myself yeah. because there's been a whole lot of bad. So like, I want something good for myself. Um, and that's been the general consensus that we've seen and that I'm feeling from everyone. There's just so much joy to be out yeah. to experience something. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a creature of habit. You know, if if it's a place that has like the thing that I need, it has my go juice, as it as it were. It's mm -hmm. like I'm, I'll be there. And there have been times where I'm a very, I'm six four. I'm a very noticeable individual. So it's like, oh, that's that's the that's the Rob guy, that's the podcast guy, what have you. And if I'm a regular at a place and it's like I'm invested in it, I want to see it do well. I think people don't really recognize that sometimes, and you don't feel as welcome. And then you maybe make different decisions. Because it's like you're kind of untying some of those uh, connect some of that connective tissue, if you will, and going to a place where you feel great. And, you know, there was anticipation, as I was you know, telling you before getting started because of your your background and your your track record and just very close to where I'm where I'm at. So I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. And at, at a minimum, it's another option at the, at the best possible scenario. This is going to be the new place. This is going to be the new place where, hey, come on over, guys. We're going to be at church. You know, no pews, no pews. Just just this church, this church, the one with the drinks. <laughs> so tell us about that that moment for, for the listeners. Tell us about that moment when you knew that this was going to happen. This is where we're at because, you know, work was happening during the during the pandemic at its at its peak, you know, and we we're not out of it, obviously, but at its peak. So tell me about that moment when you're like, all right, this is happening. <laughs> right. Um, it was shortly before March of 2020 that um, 
I felt really strongly like the time was coming. Like I mentioned, um, this has been an idea that's just the seeds been germinating really for about yeah. 10 years. And um, for me, it was like, okay, I think this is like my next step. It's where I want to be next. Um, and then the pandemic hit and we had, you know, planned a way to kind of concept test and to start talking to investors. And it was like, well, nope, nope, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of upheaval in my life and everyone's life over the next six months, uh, eight months following. Um, and then in November of 2020, I found a space and I walked into it. And it wasn't a church and it, the idea was originally to do a church, but um, to redo a church and turn it into this bar. Um, but churches as buildings are, um, they're so massive and the money that was put into it to repair it would be, you know, enormous as far as a budget, you know, you're looking at millions of dollars to do that project. Sure. And I walked into this space and it wasn't going to take millions of dollars, first of all. And it was something about it just felt right, like the flow of it. And it felt like sacred. It felt like, you know, I, it's really hard to describe, but I walked into the space and it just felt good. Yeah. And um, it felt like something could be, uh, could live here. And, um, you know, then the process started and here we are almost end of 2022 and we're finally open. And, um, but that, that moment when I, you know, when I walked into the space and then I convinced my business partners, um, that it was the time <laughs> that was a whole nother conversation. I was like, okay, if I can get one investor, will you be convinced that it is the time? And the consensus was yes. And we got our first investor and then we were off to the races. So, um, it's felt really good to finally make it happen. We had that, that walkthrough. It was like, Oh, you're like, oh, huh, this is great. This is a great feeling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's, it's funny. Like, yeah, well, cause I'm usually in the know and my, my partner's the one that mentioned just like the first blurb about this being a whole project undertaking that was going to happen. And I was, I remember that same week I was talking with someone, I was like, I want to do the church of pod. There's a lot of empty churches here. I feel like there should be a whole podcast studio within a church. They have acoustics. And yeah. so it was just like right there and just kind of thinking about it. And I was just like, okay, I gotta, gotta talk to this Chelsea character and learn a little bit more. That simpatico thing was there for me. So I, I want to talk a little bit more. You said you're in um, year seven of uh, Drinkable Genius. So I want to learn a little bit more about um, about Drinkable Genius and ulti ultimately, um, you know, combining that that cocktail, if you will, of your experience, hospitality, education and leadership. But just describe maybe like a business lesson or one of those like lessons you had to like unlearn when it comes to that side of the, the, the business, that side of consulting. Yeah. Um... So, <laughs> so I'm like, um, I'm very nerdy and I'm extremely self-taught. And so Drinkable Genius was initially a way for me to stand up for myself because being not a straight white man in hospitality means that you're often taken advantage of. And then, um, 
you know, God forbid you're a person of color or you don't like English is in your first language. Like there's just so much exploitation in the hospitality industry, particularly around like work for wages. Right. And so um, I was like, you know what? It might be hard. I was talking to my partner at the time and I was like, but I know that like I bring a lot of skills to the table that are being utilized, but that are not being compensated. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to see those skills be compensated. <laughs> and so it really started there, which is funny now that, you know, looking back now that I'm like doing a lot of that equity and almost like turning things on its head with, you know, some things that we have in place at church. Um, but it was really just like, it was very self-taught. And as church was this idea that was like a light bulb flickering in the back of my brain, I uh, really started to use it as a way to round out my skills. So I was like, okay, I want to work for um, an alcohol brand. I want to like do some work with them. I want to do some work with a hotel. I want to do some work with an event space. I want to do some work with um, spaces that don't traditionally have bars, but they need them. And um, I want to do work in a variety of different styles of restaurants. Like, um, and I found myself like, checking off all these boxes and really continuing to self-teach in order to be successful. Um, But I think that the main thing that I have learned, and this is continuing today, I haven't fully learned this lesson at any point. I'm, I'm still learning it is like, um, is learning how to be authentically yourself as a business owner while also living in a capitalist society, um, it is not conducive to you being yourself. It is not. (laughs) To you being true to yourself and being true to your values. And, um, you know, I find it all the time because I think like in my heart of hearts, like I'm way more socialist um, in my practices and how I think the hospitality industry should be. But at the end of the day, like you still have to make money in order to pay people, in order to, you know, put food out in order to sell drinks. Like it takes money to make money. And um, it's a constant business lesson to learn how to live in the middle of that Mm -hmm. and how to like not compromise what you care about and what you know is important to you and is important to like the structure of your business while also realizing that you have to kowtow in some ways to uh, the government in order to do what you want to do. Sure. Um, but I think for me, especially this past year, like right before opening church and even now, as I'm managing the restaurant that I own, um, which is particularly different for me because I've managed lots of restaurants, but I didn't own them. Right. Right. So like I could only make decisions up to a point and then those decisions were no longer, uh, mine to make. Whereas I now get to like actually carry out the decisions that I make, which is a new and interesting feeling is the idea of like, just being myself and being honest. Mm -hmm. My partner the other day said something that I thought was really profound. And, um, they said like, I feel like you've snapped back into management as you, as like old you. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. Mm. And she was like, yeah, if you 
if you do care about doing the hospitality industry differently, like if you do care about reflecting yourself and your values and the work that you do, when somebody asks you like how you're doing and you say that you're tired, it doesn't have to be this like all everyone knows the hospitality industry is exhausting, right? right. It can be like, this isn't how it should be. And right. people should be better taken care of. I should take better care of myself and have the ability to, sure. you know? Um, and I thought that was really profound. And it really just like drives home the point that that's been my biggest lesson. And it's constantly in progress of just how to reconcile myself and what I know is right with a lot of things that aren't right at their core. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of juggling that right now and coming off of an experience where I was like, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. This is the way I'm supposed to do this to grow this and, you know, grow this brand and grow this podcast and, and be a part of the community. And I'm fighting internally these these impulses of, I don't know if that's true. And and I and I think I know as you, you touched on my heart of hearts, was like, you're a different kind of cat. This isn't this isn't your thing. And just like, well, you know, just just ride that wave. And it's like, all right. And at least from it, you'll at least get the lesson from having the experience. And you know, always come back to it's like it's a reminder for me of trust yourself. You're you're not too you're never really too far off, you know, of of what it is. And you know, the, these ideas, and that's why I think I asked earlier about that experience thing, because you know, when I'm coming back from this this convention, I'm writing down notes just of my feelings as they were, you know, right. almost immediately. And I was like, you know, people are selling this notion of an experience, but they're framing the thing that they're selling you. It's not an authentic thing. And yeah. I was just like, ah, I just feels so weird. But I like saw it immediately. Whereas maybe in the past, I would have recognized that sort of, I would have had that observation maybe a little bit more retroactively, a little bit later in the whole process. But now I was noticing it live and in, in person. I'm like, oh, okay, I've gotten better at this, but mm -hmm. it still felt weird. And, right. and it's just like, this is the the framing, as you, I think as you touched on, this is the framing, this is the landscape in which I have to kind of play to get this brand out there while trying to pepper in maybe some of my ideas about what certain facets maybe not don't work or what have you. Right. That's 100% true. And, and it's even baked in like what I'm doing in the interviews of like, who am I talking to? I'm not talking to everyone. I'm not interested in talking to everyone. It's like, you're doing something interesting. You're doing something cool. You're doing great work. And that's where the curation piece comes in. And all of that is just like, you know, I, I could talk to anyone, but it's like, these are the people I want to talk to. I think these are the people that are shaping what culture and what art and what this city is about. Cool. Well, then I'm honored to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got, I got two more real questions and then, um, then we got some rapid fire questions and you can't, you can't escape those. I'm sorry. Okay. Just... okay. No worries. All right. Uh, so one, one you don't have, I just added because I thought it was really interesting. Um, so one of the things that we have to do, I, I think um, you can hire someone to do it, but it doesn't feel authentic. We have to be involved in like social media. We have to be in online, have to be checking into these different things. And I like to look at that flow of information because it's, it's not even in the parameters that they create. It's not even authentic for what they create. It's still being curated in a way yeah. of this is what we think you should see versus the people you actually follow. And I feel like it's, you know, trying to grab salmon from a really raging river or trying to like stop something on an assembly line. Like, oh, the bad ones went out. 
Tell me how you filter through like the news that's in your feed as it relates to maybe your industry or maybe people that you're like, I think I want to get a sense of what the community is experiencing. How do you filter through that stuff and kind of get the, uh, the good stuff, the stuff that's usable? Right. I, okay. So for me, there's, you know, the hospitality industry is so fraught that like, I, I think I've mostly stopped following like actual accounts and they're pretty much all meme accounts at this point because I have, (laughs) and the reason being is like the news will reach me, right? There was a, there's a high profile bar that one of the partners decided to leave their international decided to leave and took their entire bar staff with them. And they had like just been ranked on the world's 50 best bars. Right. So like, this news was going to reach me no matter what. I didn't right. need to follow like anyone specific to get this news. However, like as a person who owns um, a bar and as a person who cares deeply about doing hospitality differently, oh. there is always truth, like a little bit of truth and like sarcasm and jokes. And so these meme accounts, one, they make me laugh. Um, <laughs> sometimes they make me sad, like, ooh, that's really like sad, but true. Um, but a lot of times it's just like, it's like a temperature check Mm. on the industry and like what people are thinking about and what is just like so ludicrous that it still is happening (laughs) in our industry. Um, yeah, they're really, really enjoyable. And also, um, I think I just posted one of them today. I like, um, I just, I think that they are really telling of, what people in the hospitality industry are experiencing at all levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I had to do a similar thing where I, I started doing this this kind of check, and it, and again it goes out of this 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 book I was reading earlier about like does this fit? You know, does this fit in what your your brand is and really not being interested in it because like I agree with you this notion of brand and all of that. It's like people are people on a brand. People aren't you know you know, the ideal person I'm looking for, they're not, you know, my target audience, they're they're people, anyone can listen to what I'm doing and anyone can go there and have a great drink and get some good food. Um, So it's really funny where we're like looking at who's in our scene, who's in our lane, who's in the community and trying to figure out like, all right, how's this serving me? That's, that's ultimately the rule I look at. And it's like, does this align with how I'm feeling at this moment? It's like, I may not unfollow them because I've had a fair amount of people who definitely have that tracker of you wouldn't follow me. How dare you? Right. And I'm like, okay, I'll just mute you or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I need to see your, your posts or what have you. Yeah. The, the way I kind of approach it. So I, you know, only help with the church social media and we have created plans upon plans. Like we just have things planned out and that's, you know, for business, but for my personal social media, I just like for a long time, I felt like my personal social media had to be so like curated and, um, like captions had to be written specific ways and specific numbers of hashtags and like, all of this, it was exhausting. And I was like, I don't see myself in it. And so, you know, sometime over the pandemic and even a little bit before I just started, despite all of the work I was doing, I really just started using my personal social media as a way to like remind people that I'm a human being. 
Um, because that's the first thing people lose sight of when like you get clout or you win an award or anything, they like forget that you're a human being for a person for a moment. And, um, and so, you know, I started posting less about, um, you know, the drinks I was making and more about, you know, what it's like to open a bar and like what I'm thinking about as far as what we can do with hospitality and also like how my life has changed personally, my struggles with mental health, like all of those things. I was like, this is actually going to be like, if somebody wants to engage with this, this is going to be more helpful to that person than me just like putting drinks, pictures of drinks up, you know, there's tons of, there's tons of drinks on the internet. Like I don't need to contribute to that. Um, but if one person is impacted by something that I share just by being a human being, I think that's more important. It's, it's like the multi-hyphenate thing when people say, I'm this, this, and this. It's like, don't forget human is at the front. Yeah, exactly. So you actually answered my last question. So <laughs> I can hit you with the rapid fire ones. Um, and these are going to be ridiculous. I am sorry in advance. <laughs> uh, brevity is key here. Uh in your opinion, what is the most overused piece of industry-related jargon? Mixologist. I hate it. Okay, we're, this is going to go well, then, because that's a great <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, what is your go-to lazy night dinner? Like, what is your favorite thing to make? It's like, I'm exhausted, which we all are. Uh, what is that go-to for you? It's like, look, I'm going to get some ramen. What, what is the go-to for you? Oh, I have like this weird soft spot for Annie's white cheddar mac and cheese. Like, forget about it. That's what I want. That's a good one. That's all good the one. time. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've been I've been ridiculous. I I, th- I feel like I got a little extra money. I've just been throwing lump crab on like nachos. Yum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But also, it's ridiculous too. It's like, uh, here's just this money I'm gonna pour on top of these nachos. <laughs> I yeah and I I have those moments too where I'm like I'm like ooh there's caviar okay I, let's go get a bag of potato <laughs> chips and let's do it you know like that's me too I have other sides of it you know like there's like okay yeah I have a craving for like top ramen right now or there is like the other end of the spectrum and I'm like sitting there eating caviar with potato chips so you know who it takes knows? all kinds it takes all kinds <laughs> Uh, do you have a karaoke song that if someone's like, you gotta, you gotta do a karaoke song, which one is it? Oh man. Um, I, I go between a couple, uh, one of them is what's up by four non blondes. And the other one is borderline by Madonna. Two very unexpected songs. I think for me in my presentation, but yeah. now everyone knows. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the point of this whole segment, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I always go with like some type of New Jack Swing song because I really like to go into it. Yeah. I, I like, I like um, to really just like go off and my partner just looks at me. She's like, you're too young to know these lyrics as well as you do. Like, how does this <laughs> fit? You were seven when this came. I was like, yeah. that's how it is for me. <laughs> uh, lastly, you, you mentioned that you're nerdy and, I, and that really got my my ears percolating. Um What's something you collect? I feel like nerds are collectors. I'm I'm a nerdy dude. I collect things. I have pops behind me. You can probably see. Yeah. There's a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man up there. Um. Okay. Collect. I. Okay. So I. There's a couple things. My collections aren't as nerdy as they are just like deeply focused. So I. Uh. I really enjoy menswear. So I have probably more 
watches and pocket squares and neckties than I will ever actually wear. Um, and then I also uh, really enjoy collecting vinyl. I do. I do a lot of that. Oh yeah, we 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 definitely have to hang because I that, I omitted a question earlier because I was like, yeah, I need that the style. Like you're a very dapper individual, so uh, much love and respect on that. And as I'm a person that's starting to grow up my vinyl collection, again, we might have to trade notes. Okay, sounds good. So with that, um, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and chopping it up with me. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where to check you out, where to check out church, all of that good stuff. Um, the floor is yours. Cool. All right. Well, I'll run it down. So my personal Instagram, that's usually where you can find me um, on the internet is at Gregoire Drinks. Um, however, uh, church is now open. It's been open for two weeks. We're located in the old Goucher neighborhood of Baltimore. We're open Wednesday through Sunday, starting at 5 p.m. Um, we do cocktails, we do food, and we'd love to have you. And I would make a recommendation to make a reservation on Resi because we've been very busy. Um, as far as my consulting, uh, you can learn more about that at drinkablegenius.com. And also you can follow church at Church Bar. So, um, yeah, come check us out. I look forward to meeting your listeners and yeah, finally getting to host you, Rob. So, <laughs> Well, cheers. Thank you so much. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Chelsea Gregoire for coming on to the podcast and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, business, culture, drinks in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.